My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're going to study God's Word together here shortly. Um, uh, as I get going, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for my friend. Uh, oh, yeah. Looks like K through 5 is making their way. Good. Okay. K through 5, you're welcome to head back to that corner and head off with our awesome crew. Thankful for my friend Debbie this morning mentioning that God is faithful in all of our circumstances, right? No matter how you, uh, how you are feeling, how you are doing, what you are going through as you arrive this morning, God is good and faithful, and I need to lean on him this morning. So I was encouraged by that reminder. And then we got to sing, this is our God, this is who he is, he loves us. This is our God, this is what he does, he saves us. Um, well... The uh, last couple weeks it, it, in our house, every, time, every year this time of year, it is quite a season in the Olson family. Um, really, it's a three or four week span, then it's even more intense in about a 10 day span. Then maybe right now we're standing in the most intense couple of days of that. And, and yet, it's all, it's, it's all good stuff. It's, it's fun stuff. It's life stuff. It's important milestones that we want to celebrate as we care for each other. Um, and just makes things exciting. So uh, uh, among those are yesterday is my son Chris's birthday. So he turned 14. So happy birthday, buddy. And uh, today is my daughter Mia's birthday. She's turning 17. So happy birthday to her. We've got... Family parties on Friday. We got family party tonight. As if that wasn't going enough going on in our household, there was prom last night for two out of our four teenagers. And so, uh, with all that in mind, with all that love for my family and celebrating those milestones, I want to shout out the mom of our household who makes it all happen. So, thanks, Amy. I love you very much. <laughs> Amy's in the nursery serving, I think. Maybe she'll hear that later. Grab your Bible and open with me to uh, Daniel chapter 4, if you would. Use the table of contents if you need to. Daniel's a book in the, in, uh, the Old Testament portion of our Bible. And uh, we are continuing our series called Thriving in Babylon, teaching our way through the book of Daniel. So whether you got a paper Bible, that's awesome. Get it on your lap, open it up, find Daniel. If you've got a device with a Bible app, that's a, a, a fine way to follow along with God's Word as well so that we can together hear from him. Uh, we are in this series called Thriving in Babylon where we're asking God to use his word, his, these true stories from history to teach us how to live for God in a godless culture. Daniel and his friends are excellent examples to us in the book of Daniel on what it looks like to obey God, to live for him, to be a blessing to others, even as the culture that they are being assimilated into, even though uh, things around them are difficult and, and go against the ways of God. Uh, but even more so, perhaps, than looking to Daniel and friends, we want to know, we want to be reminded that the hero of the story, the hero of the book of Daniel, the hero of the Bible, is our great and sovereign God who is with us, who is always with us in all the ups and downs that we go through. So that's what we are asking God to show us as we uh, walk our way through Daniel. So before we jump into chapter four, before we get into today's passage, help me out. This is where you get to call out if you want. Uh, to this point 
in the story of Daniel, in the book of Daniel, to this point, what have we seen of King Nebuchadnezzar? How would you describe him? What has been our experience of King Nebuchadnezzar so far? Dictator, narcissistic, arrogant. What? What? Yeah, violent, difficult, evil, worshiping false gods. Anything else? Good looking. Hmm. We'll just keep going. <laughs> I'm just teasing. So there's been, that's a little bit, those, it's a good snapshot of what our experience has been of King Nebuchadnezzar. So let's get into God's word, Daniel chapter 4, starting at verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar. So here's the interesting thing right off the bat. King Nebuchadnezzar is now narrating this portion of the book of Daniel. This chapter is King Nebuchadnezzar narrating is him speaking to us, telling him, telling us about his experience. So here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples. Everybody say all peoples. To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. Everybody say, for me. How great are his signs, how mighty, everybody say mighty. Mighty. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is, everybody say, everlasting. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures. Everyone say endures. And his dominion endures from generation to generation, based on that proclamation from King Nebuchadnezzar, one of the Bible scholars that I read this week put, uh, had this quote, this to say, it's on the screen, thinking about what Nebuchadnezzar just proclaimed in those first couple verses, there is a God, this is a truth that we can know from what Nebuchadnezzar just proclaimed, there is a God whose truth is for who? All people, whose work is what? Personal, that's where King Nebuchadnezzar said, I want to tell you what the Most High has done for me. And whose kingdom, we have a God whose kingdom is all-powerful, eternal, and peaceful for those who accept its authority. Now, what question should we be asking ourselves right now? What question, what are you wondering right now about Nebuchadnezzar? Who is this guy? What happened? So here's how chapter 4 is set up. Chapter 4 is set up where King Nebuchadnezzar's proclamation is is actually kind of the end of the story, and now he's going to go back and tell us how he got there. We heard this amazing proclamation come from King Nebuchadnezzar about the true God and how mighty and his dominion is everlasting and how he is loving and powerful, and and now he's going to explain where where he's coming from. Verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay, this is another dream. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Jake taught us from chapter 2, and there was a dream involved there. We're in chapter 4. This is yet another dream of Nebuchadnezzar's. Verse 5, I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. 
So then the magicians and the enchanters, the Chaldeans and the astrologers came in and I told them the dream, but they could not, could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belteshazzar after the name of my God. He, his name is Daniel after the most high God and he'd been given, he'd been stuck with a name that referred to one of the Babylonian false gods. At, at last, Daniel came in before me and, in, and, and he was named Belteshazzar after the name of my God and in whom the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and there is no mystery too difficult for you. This is interesting. Nebuchadnezzar notices something about Daniel, that Daniel is able to interpret his dream, that there's something about Daniel that it's different. He's not attributing it to the right place yet, is he? Nebuchadnezzar's going, one of, the whole, one of, the, one of my gods, one of the holy gods, he, he must be helping you. But he knows that there's no mystery too difficult for Daniel. So he says to Daniel, I'm still in verse 9, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretations. And then Nebuchadnezzar continues to tell him the dream. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to the heaven. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant. And in this tree was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches and all flesh was fed from this tree. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed and behold, a watcher, a holy one came down from heaven. Bible scholars believe this is an angel that is coming to carry out God's judgment. He saw this watcher come down from heaven, verse 14. This watcher proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven, let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones. What is this? What is this interpretation of the dream that they're passing along? What is the purpose of it? Why is the tree going to get chopped down? He keeps going. The sent, verse 17, the sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end, to the purpose, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation. Because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. 
So here is King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's pause, pause in, in the true historical account here for a moment. Here is Nebuchadnezzar, successful, powerful, wealthy, things going well, life seems under control, and, and yet, as, as it does in life on this side of eternity for all human beings, and yet, no matter how it good it seems to be going for King Nebuchadnezzar, crisis looms. Something's coming. Some difficulty is coming, and, and, and no expert, no human so-called expert will be able to explain it or solve it. And this is true for Nebuchadnezzar in this case, but it's true for us too, isn't it? In this broken world with the painful things that we go through, we might think we have a handle on things. We might think we've got things under control. We might think we can take care of things ourselves, but, there, but crisis looms. Difficulties come. So, as we just said, it's true for us too. Relative to the populations of the world, America is wealthy. Whether you, <clears throat> excuse me, whether you believe you are wealthy or not, in, in the scope of world history, in the scope of our world, you are. Americans have a tendency, because of our wealth, tell me if this is, I mean, think if this is true, we have a tendency to think that we can provide I, I generally, most, mostly, we have an ability to provide for ourselves, and that gives us the illusion of stability, that I have what I need, things are taken care of, things are covered, and so I don't really have a lot of need, so I don't really look around for help. We, we, tend, to, we tend to trick ourselves into thinking that things are stable, we can manage our circumstances and not be in need, and where does that leave us? Does that leave us like King Nebuchadnezzar in a place where when disaster strikes, when difficulty comes, will we know what to do? Will we know where to turn? To whom to turn to? Or have we tricked ourselves into being self-reliant, able to manage, able to get by on our own efforts and merit? Church family, we need Jesus, right? We need Jesus. Crisis looms. Difficulty comes. Do we recognize our need? Or will we need to be brought low? Will we need to be brought low? Will we need to come to the end of ourselves Will, we need, will, will it be necessary for us to struggle mightily in order to lift our eyes to the heavens and see that we need true wisdom and true help and the rescue that our God offers? So we want to think about our own predicament. If we have a tendency to think we can take care of ourselves and manage our circumstances and, and, and things are stable enough and I don't have a need, I'm not, I'm not looking for help and so I don't look to God. We need to consider that. But now also as followers of Jesus, as God's people who are sent to live in the world and be an encouragement to the people around us, what about those people around us too? When crisis strikes in the lives of people around us, Will we be ready to assist them? Are we ready to testify to God's greatness, to his goodness, to his love, 
as people around us in our spheres of influence, people that God has already put you in relationship with, as they come into difficulty, are we ready to point them to Jesus? Let's continue in in the scripture text and see how Daniel handles the situation. So remember, when we left off in verse 18, Nebuchadnezzar wants Daniel to interpret the dream. Nebuchadnezzar wants Daniel to interpret the dream. And so here we go in verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. Listen, listen carefully with me and look carefully with me these next few sentences and let's see what we, what we make of Daniel's response. He just heard the dream. What, what's, what's the situation? Let's recap again real quick. What's the situation? Daniel heard about this dream, this great tree, right? And then what was the interpret? And then what happened to the tree? It got chopped down and now God is revealing to Daniel the meaning of this dream. God, uh, Daniel is kind of right now in this, in this, in this true story, recognizing the, the meaning of this dream because he's about to reveal it to Nebuchadnezzar. And let's, let's look for clues about how Daniel is doing with it and how he responds to Nebuchadnezzar here. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. And his thoughts alarmed him. And the king answered and said, this is Nebuchadnezzar now, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar's kind of trying to let Daniel off the hook. Like, tell me the truth. I want to know what the dream means, even if it's making you a bit nervous. Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Daniel is absorbing the meaning of the dream from God, and he's about to reveal it to Nebuchadnezzar. I think Daniel could have put the hammer down. Right? He could have passed along this dream and interpretation with disdain for Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar deserves it, that he's an evil power ruler, and that God's going to get you. But what do we see from Daniel? What, what clues do we have about Daniel's response to the dream's meaning? He's, he's kind of pained. He's pained to pass it along. He's alarmed. He doesn't, he's hesitant to pass it along. He hopes that the dream is true for Nebuchadnezzar's enemies, not for Nebuchadnezzar. And here's why. Because Daniel proceeds to declare the meaning of the dream. Verse 20. The tree you saw which grew and became strong so that the top reached the heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in which was food for all and under which beasts of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. That tree, verse 22, Daniel reveals to Nebuchadnezzar, that tree is you, O king. You who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, this angel coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roofs and the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field and let him be wet with the dew of heaven. And because this angel said, let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. 
Daniel revealing from God the meaning of the dream. This is the interpretation, O king, verse 24. This is a decree of the Most High God that has come upon you, King Nebuchadnezzar, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of the heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until what? How long is this going to happen? How long is this going to be true of King Nebuchadnezzar? This, this wild, gnarly situation to imagine him becoming like a beast and eating from the ground and, and living in, in nature and things going wacky. How long is this going to be true of Nebuchadnezzar? Daniel reveals it right here in verse 25. Until you know, until you, King Nebuchadnezzar, know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. King Nebuchadnezzar, until you know that God rules, not you. This is the situation. Verse 26, and it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree. Your kingdom shall be confirmed for you, restored to you from the time that you know, that you recognize that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, listen to this from Daniel again. What, do we, what glimpses do we get of Daniel's heart as he delivers this difficult news for Nebuchadnezzar? Verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing what is right and break off your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed so that perhaps there might be a lengthening of your prosperity. Daniel is saying, hey, maybe, maybe this isn't for sure. Maybe there's a way out, Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe you can turn and do the right thing. Maybe you can treat people right and there will be a lengthening of your prosperity. When we began this story, when we began this true historical event in teaching through the book of, of Daniel, we were saying that God's people were, were uh, Jerusalem was uh, destroyed and God's people were carried off into exile. And that's why Daniel and friends find themselves serving King Nebuchadnezzar is because we see the situation where God has allowed, for whatever reason, God has allowed his people to be carried off into exile. And, and, and we might say it at first glance, we might go, what? What's God doing? Why would he allow this? But what we've been seeing repeatedly as we teach through the book of Daniel is we should be saying, we should be looking, can we trust God's purposes no matter the circumstances? Even as King Nebuchadnezzar carries God's people off into exile, even as Daniel and his friends are in service to this evil king, do we trust that in God in what he is doing? Because in fact, he is caring for his people. He's caring for his people in a way we didn't expect. God is protecting God's people by being a blessing to the Babylonians. By, 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 being a, by God's people being a blessing to the Babylonians, God is protecting his people in the big picture. And so what do we, I want us to think for a minute now, what do, we, what do we learn from Daniel here and his heart toward Nebuchadnezzar? Let's look at a couple other scripture passages. Here's Romans 10 on the screen. The Apostle Paul writing 
brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is that they may be saved. He's talking about his, his brothers, his fellow Jewish people, God's people, wanting them to be saved, to be rescued by God. And I just wanted to put that verse up there and challenge us. Do we care about the people around us that don't know Jesus? Do we have this kind of heartfelt desire and prayer for those in our spheres of influence that are living life apart from God, that are not followers of Jesus? Do we care? And if we care, then we share the hope that we have. If we as followers of Jesus care about those around us who are living apart from God, then we share the hope of the gospel. The gospel is the spectacular good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And receiving God's free gift of salvation is not about what we do. It's not about our efforts and, our, and, our, and trying to match up and being religious and doing enough right things. Receiving God's free gift of salvation is not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has already done for us. His life, death, and resurrection. He lived a perfect life without sin, the life that we are incapable of. He went to the cross willingly to die the death we deserve as penalty for our sin. He was raised again to new life, which shows that God can raise us to new life too. And so if we care about those around us who are living apart from God, we share the gospel good news. And, and, sharing, and sharing our hope includes being honest about our need for God, about our need for God, about the people around us and their need for God. If we're going to share our hope, it includes being honest that we have an opportunity to confess our sin, to recognize our rebellion against God, to confess and repent, to turn away from our wrongdoings and our rebellion against God and our choosing our own way and our going against his best for us. We have an op- it's part of our hope sharing to make sure that we and the people around us know they have an opportunity to repent of their sin, to, con- to turn away from their old life and turn to Jesus. To put our faith and trust in him and receive God's salvation through Jesus. And then, If we care for people who need Jesus, we share the gospel good news. And how do we share it? Let's look at one more scripture from 1 Peter. How do we share the gospel good news? In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And here's the part I want to get to. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Daniel could have let Nebuchadnezzar have it with that interpretation. You are an evil, prideful guy, and you're getting chopped down. And let me tell you about it. But here God's word challenges us to share the hope that we have with gentleness and respect that I think we heard in Daniel's words. If we as followers of Jesus care about those who are living apart from God, then we share the gospel good news. And I want to add that last thing. We share it with care. 
If we care, we share with care. God may use difficulties. Some of you know this all too well. God may use difficulty to get the attention of people. God may use difficulty to get your attention, to bring you to the end so that you know you can't save yourself. Why? So that you lift your eyes and call upon him. Some of you know that all too well. And so then as we live life around people around us, and we know that they experience difficulties as well, we need to look at their heart, at their lives with this kind of heart, that God may use difficulty to get the attention of people around us. And guess what? God put you in their life to point to the hope that we have in Jesus. Are we ready to faithfully serve God by being conduits of God's love to those who are hurting around us? Are we ready to serve God to be, by being proclaimers of the gospel good news of what Jesus has done? Daniel was ready. Verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. All what came on him? Everything that God had foretold in the dream interpreted by Daniel. Verse 28, all that came true upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, we don't have a ton of time here, but I think it's interesting that another year goes by before the consequences. Daniel had prayed and, and hoped that there would be a lengthening of Nebuchadnezzar's prosperity. Hey, if you, if you, maybe there'll be a lengthening. And another year goes by. But still, all that God foretold happens. Verse 29, at the end of 12 months, Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is this not great Babylon? Look at all this. He's walking on his roof and he's looking around at this kingdom that he built. Is this not the great Babylon? Now let, me listen, now let me continue to read the scriptures and let's hear more of what he says. And if you remember your Eng- days from being in English class, listen for the pronouns, okay? And the king answered and said, is this not the great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? What do those pronouns tell us? The pride has returned, or the pride has never gone away. It's all about him. He's building his own kingdom. It's not God who reigns, the true God who reigns over all and who sets up kings and takes away kings and makes nations powerful and takes away nations. It's Nebuchadnezzar thinks it's him. Verse 31. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Here the judgment has come. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Verse 33, immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men. He ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of the heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Whoa. 
This is an extreme situation. The dream came true. Its, its, its interpretation came true. Their judgment against Nebuchadnezzar's pride and self-indulgence has come. This is an extreme situation, very, very probably mental illness that he's experiencing here. God made exactly what happened in the dream happen to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, may we never forget that God is able to humble the proud. Your, your Bible might even call this section Nebuchadnezzar's what? Humiliation. His humbling. That's just a title that we humans added in your Bible. But, but that's what happened here. God is able to humble the proud. And when we think about that, we need to think about that being something that is necessary for all of us that follow Jesus. Anyone that, is going to, or that has been saved by God's grace or anyone that is going to be saved by God's grace and brought into God's kingdom and brought into God's family, what happened to Nebuchadnezzar must first happen to any of us that are going to receive God's grace and his salvation. In other words, being humbled, being brought low, being brought low to the point that we recognize our need, that being brought low to the point where we can no longer go, oh yeah, I got this. I can provide for myself. I can take care of myself. Brought low to the point where we recognize our need and our complete inability to save ourselves and our complete inability to make ourselves better people apart from the loving grace of the powerful God of the universe. God brought Nebuchadnezzar low in order to bring him to the point where he would know that God rules. It's not, just, it's not God being mean. It's God being gracious. If he doesn't bring Nebuchadnezzar low, if Nebuchadnezzar's humiliation doesn't happen, does Nebuchadnezzar ever lift his eyes and call out on the one he needs? And neither do you or I. And neither do our loved ones around, you, around us that don't know Jesus. And, and I, don't want, I don't want this to be true in your life. I don't want this to be true in the lives of those around me that they be brought low. But you know what? If, it, if that's what it takes for them to cry out to God, God do it. Let's look at how the passage finishes. Verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, let's recap one more time. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, the one who was an evil, powerful ruler, the one who invaded and destroyed Jerusalem, the one who was worshiping false gods, the one who just tossed Daniel's three friends into a burning, fiery furnace with the intent to kill him, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to the heavens. And my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High 
and praised and honored him who lives forever. With his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, as he does according to his will, the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom... My majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are a God who saves. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are a God who doesn't leave us stuck where we are in our rebellion against you, who doesn't leave us stuck in our sin, who doesn't, uh, who doesn't let the hammer down on us that we deserve. God, we thank you that you are a God whose love has brought about your your rescue plan. God, we thank you that your love brings about your rescue plan through Jesus. Jesus, who saves us from sin and death, who takes us out of darkness and into the light. God, we thank you for sending your son who lived and died and rose again that we might be saved. And God, we thank you that you're a God who not only saves, but that you're a God who transforms who changes us, who works in us, who is making us into the people you want us to be. And God, as painful as it might be, we are thankful that you are able to humble the proud. If that's what it takes, Lord, when we think we've got it under control, when we think it's all about us, would you convict us of our pride? If necessary, bring us low. And as you do, remind us that you're not out to get us, that you don't bring us low just to be mean, that you bring us low because you love us and because you want us to recognize our need and because you want us to lift our eyes and call out to the one who saves. Thank you, God, that you are a God who humbles the proud and who restores the humble. So teach us to be humble before you. And may our humbling result in lives of thankful worship and praise because we know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. Thank you, God, for your work in us through your word. Help us to live for you this week, depending on you for all we need. And now as we continue in worship, through our prayers, through lifting our voices, through giving our gifts, through our care for one another, may all of our worship now be out of thankful hearts for all that you have done. We need you. We love you. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.